Welcome to Reframing Our Stories. This podcast is dedicated to deconstructing the stories we've been told about who we are and how we're supposed to be. I'm your host, Kara Houck. Welcome back to Reframing Our Stories. Before we begin today's episode, I would just like to take this moment to warn you that there is some discussion of medical trauma. So for my listeners who have experienced any sort of abuse, I just wanted to prepare you that this could be a trigger. So please do what you need to do to care for yourselves. And with that, let's get started. Julie and I met within a women's group created by a friend of ours. When I heard that Julie was a pelvic floor physical therapist who called her business Lady Bits Physical Therapy, I knew that this woman needed to be in my life. I first learned about pelvic floor physical therapy when I was studying sexual health, and I felt like the world was hiding the best secret from me. How come I was not told of such a thing, especially Since after my second child, I had pain in my pelvis that had, on a couple of occasions, sent me to the ER. I had scheduled an appointment with Julie and she changed me. Julie is a bright light in this world and when you meet her, you instantly see that from her radiating smile and her gorgeous curly hair. She is a power, may I say a superhero, fighting off the demons of pelvis ailments and separated abs. (laughs) I've seen her in the beginning of her business, trying to get her name out there to people now on Facebook saying, everyone go see Julie. She has saved my life. She's a miracle worker. This woman has a gift and I'm so lucky that I get to talk with her today. I want the world to know about pelvic floor physical therapy and I want you to know Julie. So Julie, thank you so much for being here. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you so, so much for having me. My cheeks are just like glowy right now with all that love. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. I just love, first of all, you're just such like a warming presence. And so the fact that, um, I think that's wonderful because then women who come to see you and men, because men can see pelvic floor physical therapists, Mm -hmm. um, are just able to just feel so at home because you just make people feel that way. So it's a great, great little gift and <laughs> thing that you have. So, well, thank you. Of course, I'm biased and I think it's really important. <laughs> yes, right, right. So I'm a little biased. <laughs> well, I want to tell people like what I experienced when I saw you because I have, I feel like so many people don't realize that pelvic floor physical therapy even exists. And I feel like I am now someone who's like a poster child for it or like someone who, continuously shouts it from the rooftop, women, especially you need to go see this pelvic floor physical therapist or a pelvic floor physical therapist. But I had, you know, after my son was born, I would have this severe pain on the right side of my pelvis that would go around to my back. And there was a couple times where I felt like I was in labor again. And I remember that it just, you know, I went to the ER a couple of times I came in to see you and I could always tell it was like right around when I was going to menstruate, I could feel my, the muscles contracting or something was happening. I would just get in severe pain. 
And I just remember coming to see you and you're kind of like poking around and I was explaining what I felt and you were just like, oh, I know what this is. (laughs) I have to study this. And you're like, your uterus is not where it's supposed to be. It's on its side. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And you just like hopped on this table and you were just like inches from my face and you were just moving things around in such a way. And then I didn't feel pain anymore. Aww. So I just remember being like, what, whatever she did, that was magic. <laughs> that was magic. I love that. Yeah. I, oh, I wish every story ended like that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it's so like, well, here's the thing I really want to say is that I feel like people need to be advocates for themselves because I went to doctor upon doctor upon doctor talking about this pain and hearing it's just PMS. And I would say to them, no, it is not. <laughs> like, I know that it is not PMS. And I felt like I wasn't being uh, listened to and that I wasn't being heard. And the moment, like, I describe things to you, you're like, oh, this sounds like this could be this. And then as you felt around and then you explained, like, with it being pulled on its side, right, it's connected with ligaments. And when mm-hmm. you're about to menstruate, your uterus swells. And so that pulls all of the muscle, you know, and mm-hmm. I just remember you saying that I was like, well, that makes so much sense. And why is it that more people are not told about pelvic floor physical therapists? You know, oh, that is, I mean, gosh, that's my soapbox issue. You know, right. that, that women are, are feeling things in their bodies, real things. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pinpoint when it comes to pelvic pain, very difficult to pinpoint. And they're going to their physicians and they're reporting these issues. And I can't tell you how many times women are coming back to me saying, you know, my doctor said it's in my head or just drink a glass of wine or, you know, that just it's drink a normal. glass of wine. Oh, I hear what? that all <laughs> the time, all the time, especially if there's like painful intercourse. That's like no. very often the reports, like women come to see me after they've already complained to their doctors and their doctors have said, use more lube, have a glass of wine, just relax. You know, like um, that's really common advice that women are being given by their OBs, or at least that's what they're telling me. Um, and that's, that's if it's, you know, pre-baby, if it's post-baby and they complain of sex, they're being told the same thing. Just relax, um, you know, have more wine. Yeah. And we're talking, these women have had their perineums torn. You know, yeah. they have legitimate muscle tears and scar tissue. And they're being told, an exact quote one patient said to me, their doctor told her was, welcome to the new landscape of your vagina. No. <laughs> this is just the way it's going to be. Uh, yeah. See, that's what's so frustrating because, yes, I mean, the fact, I remember specifically, you know, after I was in that class for my sex education and the pelvic floor physical therapist came in. First of all, she had us all sit down on our chairs and she taught us the proper way to sit on a toilet to go number Mm -hmm. two. And Mm -hmm. I was like, is this a thing? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I just remember her talking about it. I'm like, this is amazing. And everything that she talked about, and you know, we learned that the pelvis holds 28 muscles. And I think that's correct, right? Mm -hmm. Or is there more? Um, oh, it's been a while since I've counted, but a whole bunch. Yes. A whole bunch, a whole <laughs> bunch. And I was, I was just dumbfounded because I was really every person who has had a child needs to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. And 
I went to my gynecologist and I said, did you know that pelvic floor physical therapists exist? And she goes, yeah. And I go, then why are you not sending us to them? Yes. I said that to her and she just looked at me and she's like, I don't know. <laughs> That's really the response. Wow. And I was wow. like, because everyone should know about them. Because yeah. I feel like there's so much shame. We get so much shame because our body is just really traumatized and it changes. And we don't know that a lot of the issues can be fixed <laughs> in such a way mm -hmm. like, or like repaired in a way. Yeah. Right? And that yeah. so many tight muscles or there's a loose muscles and there's ways to help. And I just feel like we throw women out there and we're like, just figure it out for yourselves. Have a glass of wine while you're doing it, right? <laughs> yeah. you say. Or, or the second most common thing I hear from women, especially postpartum, is their doctors just tell them, okay, get started on your Kegels, do your Kegels. Yeah. Like this, this, this one thing is going to just make everything better. And, and even though your body completely shape-shifted, and that's really what I'm calling it, we're shape-shifting. Yeah. To think that like, you're just going to squeeze one little group of muscles down there and magically that's going to make everything better. And it yeah. doesn't, or they yeah. wouldn't constantly be coming in saying, well, I've been kegeling for months now and it's not only not getting better, it's getting worse. Yeah. And I hear that all the time. Yeah. Because um, some women, I think they don't realize, right? You don't, some women have too tight of kegels. Very common. Very so you common don't want to do kegels. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so common. And um, I think there is a big gap between the referrals of doctors to pelvic floor PTs. And, and I, I can understand why there is that gap. You know, pelvic floor PTs only been around for about 20-ish, 30 years. Oh, so okay. it's not as common as your standard ortho, you know, mm -hmm. ortho doctors say, go see your PT because they know it's, it's established, it's evidence-based practice. Um, but pelvic PT kind of came around in the nineties. And even then no one knows what it means. What does pelvic floor therapy mean? Right. What happens in there? What happens in that office? So most OBs think that all we do is teach Kegels and give exercises. And so mm. they'll, they think they're being fair to women by saying, do your Kegels. Cause I think they believe that's what we're doing and mm -hmm. it's just so different. It's, it's <laughs> there's so much more that happens behind those closed doors than so, a Kegel. <laughs> so why don't you tell people exactly like what, cause I've even said, you know, to some of my friends, you know, whose fathers and stuff have, who have had um, prostate cancer and who might mm. suffer from ED. I'm like, you should try going to physical, you know, pelvic floor physical therapy just to see, right? Right. It's um, wonderful for that population. It's wonderful right? for the post-prostatectomy crowd. Those, yeah. those gentlemen are suffering, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're told before surgery, you need this to save your life, but they're often not told, oh, and by the way, you're going to end up with incontinence and erectile dysfunction. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's often left out of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then what gentleman wants to have diapers the rest of his life? Right. And so there are pelvic PTs that are working just on that population. And they're doing beautiful work, getting these men back into their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there shouldn't be shame around this. My goodness, this is a major part of your body and how it functions. Right. I know it's something so. that's not talked about. So what are some of the things that you have, especially, I mean, what do you see the most coming into your practice if you're able to even? 
Yeah. Well, like narrow I, that down, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in the broad sense, I would say prolapse. Oh my gosh, prolapse. Everyone and everyone <laughs> prolapse. Um, leakage, you know, urinary leakage. You know, women who are ashamed to admit, but they have a hard time holding their gas. You know, that's, that's a real thing that happens after childbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, pain, oh my goodness, whether it's painful intercourse, whether it's pain around the entrance because the perineum is tight or there's scar tissue or pain with deep penetration because the, the deep internal muscles are tight and short or maybe there's a prolapse and the uterus is dropped down and then the penis is banging into a cervix. That, that yeah. doesn't like it. You know, there's, there's so many things that can cause painful intercourse. And then there's pelvic pain, right? So the pubic symphysis joint that can be off in pregnancy or postpartum and the SI joints. So there's a whole myriad of like pain, leakage, prolapse, and that, that sums up a lot of stuff right there. Can we just tell everyone that we have normalized that when you have kids that you're going to leak urine? And that actually shouldn't be normalized. Thank right? you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. In the pelvic PT world, we say it is common. It is not normal. Yeah. It is, it is common to experiencing these things after birth. It is not normal. And you don't have to live that way. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. I feel there's so many of us who are like, well, you know, I had kids. So when I jump on a trampoline now, I have to go pee. Yeah. Or doing jumping jacks, I have to go pee. You shouldn't like that. feel that way. Yeah. And I hear those stories all the time. Women say, I empty my bladder and then I try to do my workout and then I'm jumping or I'm running and already I feel like I have to pee again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and they, you know, or they leak a little bit, even though they just emptied or they empty and they go for a run and they're a mile into the run and now they start leaking yeah. and no one has ever mentioned to them, you know, that's a symptom of prolapse. Yeah. You know, you, you feel like your organs are sloshy when you jump, if, if your organs feel heavy pelvic heaviness. Um, and I, this is, you know, obviously my own personal journey, but I had these symptoms for two, three years and I didn't even know what they were. Mm. This heaviness, my bladder didn't empty right. You know, at the end of the day, I just felt like someone was reaching their hand inside of me and pulling my organs out. And I had no idea why I was feeling those things. Yeah. And I'm someone who has not had the blessing of childbirth yet. Mm-hmm. So why am I feeling these things? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, in my personal stories, it loops way back to food allergies and chronic constipation and chronically, yeah, you know, I didn't know. Yeah. So as a, as a child, I would have dairy and my stomach would hurt and I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I didn't like milk. And as I grew up, I had more and more stomach pains. And I always thought that the reason when you go sit on the toilet, that there was Kleenex in there was because when you cry, when you poo, the, the Kleenex is there to wipe your eyes. Oh, because my, so my entire <laughs> experience on the toilet, my whole life is you cry when you poop. Oh my gosh. And I, I thought that was normal. I, yeah. I grew up crying on the toilet and oh, I never sorry. Yeah. didn't even talk about it in my family. Didn't even talk about it. No one talked about poops. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that was my whole life. And I go off to college and I eat nothing but like cheap college food, you know, right. which is all just toast and pizza. And it just got worse. And the constipation got really bad. I was pooping once a week. It was awful. It was painful. Uh, It was bloody. And uh, that was my life for mm -hmm. years, years. And that turned into, and I'll be very bold and honest here, that turned in hemorrhoids, that turned into anal fissures, that turned into colorectal surgeries, you know, and never Mm -hmm. in that journey did one doctor say to me, what is your poop like? 
how, how do you digest? No one asked me. They said, we can do surgery on your butthole. They Ugh. never said, why did it happen? How do we stop it from happening again? Yeah. And I didn't know to advocate for myself. I just knew make this pain go away. My butthole is ripped open, right? And, and so I, I had these surgeries and I had the same problem existing post-surgery yeah. because we didn't get to the heart of the issue, which was food allergies. So mm. now I'm in my late thirties and an accumulation of many, many years of bearing down on the toilet, bearing down, pushing, which is very mimicking a woman giving birth. What did that add up to? A lot of downward pressure on my pelvic organ over yeah. and over and over again. And so I ended up with a double prolapse. And um, so my, both my bladder and my rectum, it's called cystocele and rectocele. And they both prolapsed. And I had symptoms of heaviness and weird bladder emptying and you know, feeling like I was going to pee when I sneezed. I had all those symptoms, yet I'd never had a baby. Huh. That's fascinating. And yeah, I didn't get diagnosed until my very first pelvic floor course. I attended that course and I got diagnosed in the course. In the course. In my, the course, because my OBs like, never caught it. I mean, what, what was that experience like? Mind blowing. You yeah. know, I was a, I was a, a regular, I call myself a regular ortho-based PT, working with geriatrics and Alzheimer's. And then I was married. We were trying to start a family. We were nearly two years into trying to start a family with no luck. I was labeled unexplained infertility. Mm. And I thought, well, that's not enough information, you know, yeah. to, to be yeah. told you're normal, your hormones are normal, your husband's sperm is normal, everything's normal, your tubes are not blocked, you're normal. We don't know why you're not getting pregnant. Yeah. And I just thought, there's got to be some answers out there. There's mm -hmm. got to be. So I thought, let me look into women's health. You know, let, me, let me get into that. And I went to my very first course and with the very first exam, and I had a history of painful intercourse, which I normalized. I thought that sure. it just hurt me, right? Yeah. But, you know, I'm just small inside. You know, he just mm -hmm. can't go that deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm in that very first course and the moment my partner touched lightly my pelvic floor, I about leapt off off the table in pain. Yeah. I mean, talk about someone touching a very tight muscle that's been tight for a very long time. Yeah. Um, Can I say I had a similar experience? I had seen one other pelvic floor physical therapist before I moved out here. And mm -hmm. I remember too, she had, because you can do inward exams. I think that's important for people to know. And mm -hmm. I remember she did touch me and I was like, Oh, like, mm -hmm. like yeah, like that's painful. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna leave it here for a little while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just gonna sit Breathe. here on this muscle. Breathe. Yes. yes, oh my gosh. So, you had that. Oh, it was severe so, for me. I, I, yeah. I became airborne when she touched my muscle, my whole oh body my was airborne. I, I never experienced that level of discomfort before. Um, other than trying to have sex, right? Um, mm -hmm. But when someone directly touches the muscle, it's that's different. Um, so I got diagnosed in the course with double prolapse and hypertonic overtight pelvic floor. And then I was sent home to then go be a pelvic floor PT and also figure out how to heal myself. <laughs> um, and then it just became a journey from there. Of course, like you go to a course and you realize how much you don't know. So you go to another course and you realize, well, I don't know anything. And you go to another course. So I just went to course after course after course. And through all those courses was set on healing myself. So I was yeah. working in a pelvic floor clinic, being mentored, going through the healing myself, going through biofeedback, having internal work done, trying to figure out how to reverse my prolapse with PT techniques. They were not effective for me. 
whatsoever, hmm. um, which is part of my journey. Yeah. Um, and constantly looking for how, how do I stop this prolapse? How do I stop this feeling? I'm feeling I had plenty of patients who had prolapse. Standard PT stuff wasn't working. And then that just sent me down a wormhole, which is why now I integrate more than just PT stuff. I do a lot of osteopathic work. I do visceral mobilization. I found that to be remarkably helpful in reducing prolapse. There's very specific exercises I learned um, from an incredible woman who developed them in Spain. They're called hypopressives and they're wonderful for reducing the pressure on the pelvic floor, but really re restoring the pressure system within the body, within the abdominal cavity, so that you're not always putting downward pressure on your organs with coughing, laughing, sneezing, jumping, running. You can do all those things again and not feel that pressure feeling. Mm -hmm. um, you just kind of have to retrain your body how to, how to manage pressures and how to move things around. So I'm finally on the other side of things. You know, <laughs> prolapses are all healed up. I'm symptom-free, what I call it, symptom-free. Oh, and so um, helping women you know, get, get symptom free to tell them I've been there. I, I know what that feels like. And, yeah. And you can, you can heal from this. You can heal from it without surgery. So it's, My it's gosh. a beautiful thing to give. And, and especially gosh, the athletes, I get so many runners and, and triathletes and CrossFitters. These women are so strong. They're so fierce, right? They work so hard yeah. and they're leaking all over the place and they're being told they're weak. Isn't that how, it, I mean, that Insane. just has, yeah. Like to me, to, to have someone say that to you after you're working so hard. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just such a blow, right? Yes. And, and then to be told, oh, you're an athlete with a prolapse. Don't do those things you love to do anymore. Yeah. Don't do your CrossFit. Don't do your running. Don't mm -hmm. do the things that create you, what you identify as, mm -hmm. um, and that's a major mental health blow. You, you, you can't tell a woman don't do the one thing that gives you peace and joy and exactly. makes your body feel good. So, um, so what, yeah. speak to the fact, cause I do, I've been learning this, like the pelvis and the breath, right. Are intimately connected. Yes. So say more about that. Cause I think that's important. So I think this is the real driver of a lot of leakage and prolapse is that the breath and the pelvic floor are absolutely involved in a very intimate relationship of pressure management. And mm -hmm. if you think of your body like a soda can, if you squeeze the center of the soda can, that soda is going to come out the top or down the bottom. Yeah. It's going to go somewhere. And, and your body is like a soda can between mm -hmm. your mouth and your anus and your vagina. It's, it's a pressure system. Mm -hmm. and, and you want to have equal pressures at all time and real biomechanical changes occur during pregnancy, your, your sacrum shifts over when you, when you have a vaginal birth, your, your butt bones, they spread apart a little bit. Mm -hmm. But when they spread apart a bit, they, they pull your perineum and kind of put it on stretch. So a lot of postpartum women, their kegels are weak, not because their muscles are weak, but because they're being pulled further apart by their bones that have pulled apart. Yeah. So there's these biomechanical changes that change how the pelvic floor works. Because if, if you pull the muscles further apart, they're going to be set to be tight and a little bit weak. And so you have these bony changes that are often not being addressed postpartum. Women are just walking around with their bones in this new position. And then you have the ribs that have flared because you had to make room for that baby. And so yeah. your ribs flare out. And when your ribs flare out, your diaphragm changes its orientation. It's, it's less of a dome 
it's a smaller dome. Mm. So, so you need that, like the pelvic floor is this bowl of muscles. Think of it like a hammock or a sling. And then your diaphragm's on the top of that soda can. And it's, it's a bowl turned around the other shape. It's a dome. So you've got a dome on the top and a dome on the bottom. And if one of those domes is misshapen, it's not going to function the same. And so what I'm doing with all women who've had a baby is I'm saying, let's restore the domes. Let's bring the pelvic bones back together in alignment. Let's, let's bring the ribs back in alignment. Reteach your body how to move the pressures. And then all my athletes, triathlons and non-athletes are doing great because it wasn't a weak pelvic floor. It was a pressure regulation issue yeah. brought about by these bony changes, which is why I feel so strongly that yes, all women should see a pelvic floor PT, but I think also for those of us pelvic floor PTs out there, it's really up to us to, to, to chase down this extra education of how do we help the body biomechanically from the bones? Because mm. in a lot of my education, the standard pelvic floor courses does not address that. It's oh, very much get in that vagina, feel that squeeze, feel those muscles, give her exercises. Mm-hmm. But that, that doesn't- But there's more. Yeah. Yes. There's and more that's, to the story. Exactly. And that's really what drove my learning is I was getting all these women with these issues and I was doing the standard interventions and they weren't working. Hmm. It's like, gosh, they're still weak. They're still leaking. They're still feeling these things. And so when I finally got to the right course that taught me how to close the rib cage and restore the pelvic alignment, that was like the ribbon on the package. Like, oh, finally. Is part of that, is part of that rib cage expansion related to diastasis recti? I believe it is because the di- the diastasis or diastasis or, is tomato, tomato, as far as I was like, I don't know. I don't care. I'll we'll see how I tomato, say it. Tomato, yeah. It's all fine. <laughs> The, the, the separation that occurs in the midline, I will say research is confirmed is a natural part of the body expanding. It's mm-hmm. a part of that shape shifting. It's a part of making room for baby at the time of birth. Research now shows that 100% women have diastasis. Yeah. It's there and the body will typically heal naturally on its own the first 12 weeks postpartum as long as we don't over challenge mm-hmm. it, over stress it, right? You know, woman's not doing too much right away. Um, but that midline healing, it's a little bit harder to heal if the ribs are further apart because those muscles are then being pulled further apart. And there's a giant myofascial component to that stretch where your belly is, you know, very far out in front of you. And then suddenly someone pops the balloon at birth. It doesn't just like magically come back together. I'm finding that there's a big fascial component where the fascia is pulling to your back, almost pulling the muscles further apart again and kind of deforming the belly button. So, um, interesting. Yeah, I do a I, lot of fascial work. That I feel like you said that to me as well too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like you were just like, "There's a lot of uh, fascial stuff happening when you're." Yeah, I probably, I, I probably like, made you stand oh. up, bend over. Yeah, I probably did all that <laughs> stuff with you because I, I, it's just amazing to me. The the woman who taught me a lot of these techniques, um, she was spot on. She said, "You're going to see these patterns, and they're going to be exactly the same every time." And she's right. I'm seeing the patterns, and I'm I'm treating the patterns, and I'm just hoping that she can keep teaching these courses and other pelvic PTs get to learn this stuff because they're not standard coursework because unfortunately most body work is really hard to be objective to take objective measurements of things that you can hardly measure and the world of pelvic PT and PT in general is very evidence-based practice so if there's no research to support it they're not teaching it in schools oh interesting yeah and it's very hard to you know 
make measurements that prove that I brought your ischial tuberosities, you know, a few millimeters closer together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just, you know, so when a teacher taught us this, she said, look, I'm going to teach you this stuff. There's no evidence behind it. Just do it because it works. And she's right. It does. Wow. So, yeah. Hmm. Shout out to Lynn Schulte from the Institute for Birth Healing. (laughs) I think too many people too also don't realize that your abs, like your abs can separate and they can stay that way. And a lot of the times when they're trying to get their stomach back, right. As we Mm -hmm. try to do that, we actually are doing incorrect uh, exercises, which makes it worse. Yes, it's very right. common. Yes, yeah. So. I discovered that. That took me a long time. I had the abs that didn't go back, and I was like, "Oh, all of these little um, crunches I'm doing." <laughs> oh God! Yeah, I, I shouldn't be doing those. To, yeah, I give permission <laughs> to the women of the world to stop doing crunches. <laughs> we don't need to do crunches or sit-ups ever again. Ever since I got into pelvic PT, I learned, oh, that's not necessary. And I have a stronger core than I've ever had my whole life. And it's not from crunches or sit-ups. So they're not necessary. There we go. I think everyone yeah. just celebrated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can just stop doing that now. Just stop. <laughs> it's not necessary. Unless you really, 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 really want a really strong rectus abdominis muscle. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's what you'll get. You'll get a flexor. And your deep core is not a flexor. It's a stabilizer. So a lot of people are flexing, crunching, sit-ups. And that doesn't really get that deep core muscle. It's not a flexor. It's a stabilizer. So, so what, what do you do instead then? Oh my gosh, there's a million wonderful things, right? <laughs> um, you know, to, to throw out terms that, you know, hopefully most people are familiar with, planks. Planks are wonderful. Mm. Planks don't cause you to flex, but they will cause your midsection to, to have to turn on. You know, okay. same with the old, like, if you go into yoga classes when you do bird dog, you know, you're on hands and knees and you have to lift one foot out behind you or reach one hand out in front of you. Oh, you're yeah. deeper in your core. It has to turn on to stabilize you so that you don't flop around. So uh, it's, it's that kind it's of, it's more the, the air- balance, the yeah, balance exercises. Like, mm-hmm. Exactly. Like airplane pose and yoga. That's really hard, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's all those things that where you're thinking, Ooh, can I keep things aligned? Right. So whether it's a, kind of a plank move or like a bird dog or airplane. Of course, we have all kinds of names I can throw out that if you're not a PT, you won't know, but I'll save those. Right. <laughs> like, there's, yeah. there's all these, yeah, the, the dead bugs. I don't know if anyone else that is, but like, there's so, so, so many things you can do and a lot of beautiful Pilates-based things you can do that will really get your core going that don't require flexing your trunk. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. For those of you in Northern California and are searching for a great home, this is for you. We'd like to thank the Poindexter Real Estate Group, our local sponsor for this episode of Reframing Our Stories, the podcast. The Poindexter Real Estate Group recognizes the importance of open conversations at home. Erica can be reached at 530-333-7207. Again, 530 530- Three 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 seven two zero seven. Now back to the show. Yeah. Have you discovered a common thread through your patients that's given you insights? I would think to the story of women. I mean, you kind of talked about it before. Mm. I think a lot of us with misinformation. But anything else where you're like, hmm, this needs to change, or how fascinating. Ah, 
gosh, like it's really almost spiritual. Um, mm. When I first got into this, I thought it was mechanical. The pelvic oh. floor, muscles and bones. And I thought we're dealing with mechanics. And as I took courses, it, it, it was my very first course, they taught, they brought up sexual trauma and abuse. Yes. And they said, you are going to work with women who have had all kinds of trauma, whether it's molestation or sexual trauma or abuse, and that is going to come and it's going to show its ugly face during the therapy sessions. They're going to disassociate. They're going to disappear on you. They're going to leave their bodies. Yes. And, and it's our job to keep them present and in their body and, and giving voice to the feelings that come up when you do this work. Don't stuff it. Don't tell yourself not to feel it. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to feel it. So, so that kind of door opened up for me and I started experiencing that with patients where they would get flashbacks. You know, they would have these memories, whether it was, you know, it can really shock a woman. I could be doing, you know, standard rehab postpartum. She's happy about her baby. All is good. And I'm working on one tight muscle and it just, it's not letting go. And, and I might ask the woman, what do you feel here in this space? What comes up for you? And I might just be lightly touching the muscle and, you know, what comes up for you here? And all of a sudden the woman's eyes fill up with tears and she starts crying and she says, oh my God, I remember my miscarriage. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the, the body holds, can, can hold, mm-hmm. yeah, trauma, memories, emotions, women end up crying on the table because they, they recall an abortion they had a decade previous that they hadn't thought about in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just muscles and bones and tissues, it's emotions. Yeah. So that became really big. And then as I went further and further down the journey of healing and healing postpartum, I was introduced into the energies of the pelvic bowl, the, the feminine energies, the divine energies that, that we are given um, hmm. this deep inner knowing that we get from our ovaries, you know, these life-giving forces. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going down the wormhole of like exploring feminine energy. You know, what is the wild feminine? What, what are these energies? And, and what happens if we let them just fall out of our bodies? And um, what kind of grounding can we give a woman when we bring her pelvic, her, her two ischial tuberosities, her butt bones back together? I was taught that when those bones splay open, when they spread open as a baby passes through the space, that woman is creating a spiritual portal. She's sealing the, the spirit of her body into the the spirit of her baby into the body of the baby as the baby passes through the space. So it's more of a spiritual portal. Yeah. That's, I'm and, in love with that. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, yes. So, Preach. That's why yeah. like birth is not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual no. thing. And this never happens again. It's a one moment in time. You're sealing the spirit to the, to the body and it's passing through this space. And now women are walking around postpartum with their bones still spread open. And yeah. I was taught, you know, energetically, you're, you're still draining energy. This, this is your, this is your life force. And and if you walk around with your birth, your portal open, you're draining that energy. And so, and you're on, yeah, you're, I just like, I feel like I'm jumping up and down while I'm seated, but I feel, I want to say like we have sterilized birth in such a way. Yes we have 
we have let, I, I don't know, this is from my experience and then just talking to other women, it's like we have taken away in some senses from my experience, the, no, the natural knowledge that a woman has within her own body. Yes. And I think time after time again, as a woman tries to tap into that knowledge that she naturally is feeling within her pelvis, because we're very attuned to our pelvis because we bleed once a month. Mm-hmm. Many of us, you know, we just have this sense of knowing. And I want to say that when we talk or ask those questions and we are repeatedly told that it's nothing or we are, you know, imagining something, then we continuously lose that sense of um, intuitiveness with ourselves. Yes. And I think yes. the more we do that, we are closing that communication that like chasm is that the word I don't know between ourselves and our bodies and that spiritual realm right yeah I don't know so for me too like within the sexual work that I do and working also with religious communities I say all the time like these things our spiritual selves and sexual selves are not separate from one another like yes are so intimately entwined and like everything you're saying with the trauma, like these things live within us and we continuously are told, I think as a society, like get over things, mm-hmm. you know, and, but they live within the muscles, the muscle memory, right? It's in. Yeah. Yeah. The tissues hold the trauma and, and the divine, the, the, the intuitive knowing that is given to us through all the generations that have come before us of women Mm -hmm. that have filled us with that divine knowledge, you know, and and our modern culture doesn't encourage us to to dive into that deep feminine knowledge and to just sit in our pelvis and like sit in that bowl and, and honor, you know, as women very often our energies are slower Mm. and, our culture tells us to go faster and do more, do more, do more. But are we not honoring the slowness of our feminine nature? That's fascinating. I'm and, a very slow person, so I'm happy to hear yes. that. <laughs> well, it's, it's been my largest lesson and, and kind of circling back to, you know, I've learned so much and, I, and now I'm seven years into my infertility journey. Mm. And of everything I've learned and everything I've tried and every intervention I've gone through and every bit of advice I've been given, the one thing I told my husband, we're going to start in October. The one thing I've never done is slowing down. And because I am a business owner and I do have bills to pay and student loans. And so even though I work as much as I do, when I do go to energy healers, I'm told by every single one of them and they don't know each other, but they all tell me the same thing. Your body needs slowness and you're drained. Yeah. Fascinating. And they've all told me the same thing. There's no life force in your womb. You're drained. Slow hmm. down. And I've never really taken the time to slow down because I've had to work. But at year seven and looking at 39 years old, yeah. I'm realizing I need to slow down. Yeah. You know, my, my feminine energies are telling me I have to do this for me. Whether or not a baby comes from it, I've got to honor that, that yeah. slowness. And what else can come from it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you have been, and that's just the one thing I've always kind of been in awe of you with, and the fact that you've been very honest in all groups that you've been on, right? That I've, mm-hmm. uh, the groups that we share in common about 
your infertility and not being able to conceive. And so my question for you is, how has that affected you? Because you spend so much time repairing moms, essentially. Yeah. How does that affect you? Yeah. That's a big question. So (laughs) it depends on which phase of my journey I was in, right? Seriously. Yeah. So I call it my pre-tapping, (laughs) post-tapping. So um, the first three years of my infertility journey, every single day was tearful. Yeah. Every single moment of every single day, I did, I never not thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I would be driving to work thinking about where am I in my cycle? You know, should we try tonight? You know, it's just yeah. it never left my mind. And then you get your period and you're betrayed by your body. And I would mourn the betrayal, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then I would get excited again. You know, everything that every woman goes through infertility goes through, you, you, you go through the morning of the betrayal and then you go through, but now we have another chance and, and you, you go through these highs and lows and I hope, and I'm crossing my fingers. And, and at year three, it became so depressing because mm-hmm. I was working with pregnant women and, and they were all getting pregnant, yeah. you know, and they mm-hmm. were coming in with these beautiful bellies and, and I just thought it was so beautiful, but so often I would end up crying yeah. Um, either in front of them or right after they would leave because I would be working on their bodies. I'd be touching their bellies and I would feel a kick. Mm. And that longing in my heart was so strong. I mean, even just talking about how I felt now, I can feel those feelings coming back, even though I'm reflecting on the past tense, those feelings are, they were so strong of like, when will this be me? Yeah. Why isn't this me? When will this ever be me? And, and I, you know, not to take away from this woman's beautiful experience, but it's heartbreaking. So it was very hard on me on a daily basis. Um, and finally, one lady I cried in front of mm-hmm. <laughs> was kind enough to say, I think you need therapy. And I have a really wonderful therapist who I think can really help you. Aww. And I'm so grateful she shared her therapist with me. So I'm happy to report that in a very short period of time, I am lucky enough to have a wonderful tapping therapist. And I use tapping therapy to process all the grief and all what I call the trauma of infertility. It is in itself its own trauma. Yeah. And because it feels, um, it does feel like a betrayal, right? Because you're told all the time, especially right in sex education, you're told from the moment, like, well, if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant and you don't want to get pregnant. And then, you know what I mean? And so it's like when that story, doesn't mm-hmm. come out the way that we're expected. It's a huge loss. Yes. Yes. So thanks to some very good, and I will say ongoing, I don't stop because I'm still in for, you know, I'm still mm-hmm. in my journey. So I still do therapy, but thanks to that tapping, those first few tapping sessions, I was able to overcome the emotions of the feelings. And, and I was able to, to heal all those feelings, the why me, you know, all those feelings that you feel. I, I can honestly say I've healed from that. And, and I have my joy back and I'm fulfilled again. And my life's, my life is full of meaning and purpose and I'm still on the journey. I'm still hoping that it it will happen for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've going through this journey has taught me so much about what going through an infertility journey is like. And it helps me empathize with my patients even more because now I've been through IVF and I've been through an egg retrieval that went horrifically. Mm. And the entire process for me was so disgusting how I was treated in the clinic, how I was treated by the staff, how they treated my vagina, like just a piece of equipment. Every time I went to that appointment, 
we're going to shove this giant ultrasound wand up you. Yeah. And we're not going to ask your permission first. We're just going to shove it up without asking. And I Seriously? ask every, I ask every single woman I work on before I pull the sheet back. I ask every single woman, do I have permission? Yes. I mean, every single uh, time I'm about to enter your most sacred space. Do I have permission? Can I honor your sacred space? And to me, that is such an ingrained part of my practice that when my husband and I went to those appointments and every single time here, get here, get naked. Come on, let's put this thing in. <laughs> you know, it was very like, okay, let's draw your blood. Okay, go next room. Next, take this shot, do this. It was just like, Never once did someone stop to honor. And it's humiliating. Going, it's oh. absolutely humiliating, I would think. Just and, and it, degrading. And it, so degrading. And I wasn't even a human at one point because the doctor couldn't figure out how to use the ultrasound machine. So then he opens the door. My legs are in stirrups. I'm no. exposed. The door's oh my open. Gosh. He oh calls my multiple people in the room to come help him figure out the machine. I'm still exposed in stirrups. Now there's three people down at the end of the bed. The door's still cracked open. No one's asked my permission if all these extra people can be in the room. Like nothing. And my husband was there to see all of it. And we came out of each appointment. My husband was traumatized from watching me be treated like that. And I thought I was, I didn't say anything because I thought maybe I'm being too sensitive here. Maybe I'm no. so busy honoring women in my office that I'm like sensitive no. to Sally. Oh my gosh. And I just want to say sorry that that happened. <sighs> that is every horrifying. It was horrific. After every appointment, my husband was so upset. And, and it, yeah, so after the, what I call vicious and brutal egg retrieval from my body, it was vicious and brutal from my body. Not everyone has that experience. For me, it was horrific. Um, it was over a year and a half ago. I haven't stepped foot back in that clinic yet. I mean, why would you? I, I haven't been able to. You I'm now I mean, healing were, from how they treated me. That's, I mean, that's, I just can't even, like, I can't find words for and, how that and is. I, it's so awful. I filed like written complaints about how I was treated and they brought me in the office to say, if you don't like how we treat you, you don't need to be a patient here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my and God. I said, <laughs> I, I said to them, you understand I'm a business owner in this community. You understand I take care of many of your patients as a pelvic floor PT. I'm taking care of your success stories who get pregnant, who have the baby. Like you can't show me a little more love and respect and kindness. It was, that is, that's awful. Calling. It was. And I, if I get treated I feel, like this. Yeah. And I, I hear from my patients who went to the same clinic, which I'm not naming. <laughs> mm -hmm. They have had very similar experiences. They need to be closed down. Like that's just. Uh, yeah. But I mean, women with infertility don't have a lot of choices. They're just, I know. are not a lot of clinics. I've reached out to several midwives in the community saying, do you know of a kinder IVF facility than this particular one? And they get back to me saying, unfortunately, we get this feedback from our clients, no matter where they go for IVF. They need to be trained like that. How, how traumatizing is that? Especially too, there's so many women who have been sexually assaulted. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that is a huge trigger. And two, I mean, that's that in of itself is one, none of that is consent, like you had talked mm -hmm. about. Like, so that mm -hmm. is a violation. Like yes. to have people walk in like that, I'm sorry, it's just horrible. And I'm really sorry that happened to you. Well, thank you. Um, thanks to tapping, I have tapped most of it. <laughs> um, and, Do you and wanna, can you explain <laughs> tapping therapy for people since you've yes. talked about it? Yes, so it's, Luckily, this particular therapist, she's an intuitive empath that gives her insight into how I'm feeling. So as soon as she sees me, we use FaceTime. But as soon as she sees me, she knows what I'm feeling. 
But wow. then she just, she shows me the pattern where you tap on your body and you just follow the pattern and you're tapping and you're talking about how you feel, mm. right? This isn't yeah. fair. How come girls can get pregnant in a McDonald's parking lot and I can eat co-op food and not get pregnant? You know, like yeah. you, you just say the truth of how you feel. It, it may not be pretty and it's ugly and half the time you cry all the way through it, but you say how you are feeling. And at the end of the session, you just don't feel that way anymore. And she explained to me, there's the arc of the story. And then there's the arc of the feelings that go with the story. Yeah. So you're tapping the feelings. And, and those tapping points are neurologically linked to the emotional centers of the brain. And it's like, as you tap through the feelings, you're breaking the chains of the link. Mm. And so the feelings just aren't there when you're done. So the story remains. I'm still going through infertility. I no longer feel awful, horrible, sad, why me, hopeless. I don't feel the feelings. Well, and it's because it's, it's in integrating the body, right? You're yeah. getting the story out of the body. Yeah. Yeah. Been uh, a journey. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. So what story have you had to reframe for yourself around this profession? Oh, I think it is exactly this, that, that it is not just mechanical, mm -hmm. that what goes on in the pelvis is emotional, it is spiritual, it is energetic, and you have to honor all of those components to get total healing. Mm -hmm. That when I'm working on a woman's perineum and I'm working on, say, a scar, because she had a tear, as I do the work, I'm no longer doing just scar work. Through my hands, I send intention of love. And I will often say out loud, thank you so much, body, for doing that work. Thank you for bringing this baby earthside. Thank mm. you for carrying this baby. You know, I, I'm thanking the woman's body on the table out loud for what it's done. And she's often crying because I was no gonna, one I was like, I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, how yeah. often are women physically held and verbally thanked their bodies for the hard work they do and for bringing this miracle through and, and for, for fighting to keep the miracle alive within you and yeah. for working so hard to get it out of you, whether, whether you have a belly birth or whether you have a vaginal birth, it is still a birth. And, and to help women reframe those belly births because they're so traumatic very often. They're emergency C-sections after yeah. days of trying to labor. And women feel like they're babies. They, they often tell me their stories sound like, my baby was taken from me when they took the baby from me. That's mm -hmm. the phrase I hear all the time, when they took the baby. And I have yeah. to, I do these sessions now where I will hold my hand over that C-section scar and put my other hand on their heart. And we go back to that moment. And, and we will relive that moment and say, no, 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 peel back the curtain, grab yeah. your baby from your belly and pull your baby on your chest. Yeah. That's your baby. You birthed that baby from your body. It came through the spiritual porthole of your belly, but it still came through. You still sealed that spirit You're still in that body. a freaking warrior, right? Yes, you did it, you um, know, and... Mm -hmm. And to, to be able to cheer them on and tell them they did it. And for those women who beat themselves up and, oh, but I still have this extra 20 pounds. I look at them and say, I would give anything to have 20 pounds and a baby. Yeah. Oh, right. 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 So <sighs> I, I'm often here to remind women, be grateful. Your body's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's a miracle. And there's just stop like, stop hating yourself. I just wish we could get rid of 
I'm sorry, because you have made me cry. Um, <laughs> I wish we could get rid of the shame that is, it, that is wrapped up around birth and child rearing and bodies in general, because yes. it's like we're given a story of how things have to be. And if women don't meet those requirements, it's, it just, you know, there's so much guilt and shame that is put upon us. And it's like, we carry that with us then even into motherhood and then yes. power even with our kids. And then we look at our bodies with disgust when really we should be like, holy if I'm just going to say, fuck, yes, <laughs> like this just happened. Yes. Look <laughs> and, what you did. <laughs> and we don't care for women and enough after childbirth. Like that's a huge trauma to your yeah. body. And we're like, all right, go home, take care of the baby, do this. <sighs> we really also need to be taking care of the mother. And yes. I feel as though women are abandoned after birth. They get so much attention while pregnant. They get so Mm -hmm. much praise. They, oh, you look so cute. Your belly's so cute. All these doctor visits to make sure baby's okay. And then you have the baby and then like, oh, just good luck for six weeks. Yeah. Just, you know, just, you know, wing it. You know, just just like they're abandoned. Like with these bodies that have been run over by a truck and then make matters worse, they feel pressure to get their pre-baby body back, which is disgusting to me, disgusting that, you know, I, I, like, I, I hate that the first thing people jump to is to say, but she looks so good. Yeah. She looks so good. Can we just like collectively say, screw you? (laughs) Yes. Like when I find out that a friend or a patient has had a baby, I will send them a message and say, congratulations on having your baby. How did your body fare? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Is your physical body okay? You know, how is your perineum? Like, I'm not afraid to say, how is your perineum? You yeah. know, are you in pain? Yeah. Like, do you feel heaviness? Do you feel pressure? Like, how do you feel? And then if she looks good, I don't care, right? Like, how yeah. do you feel? Yes. Do you feel like yourself? And 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 do you honor yourself? And and. I'm so sick of women wanting their pre-baby bodies. I just say, look at what you made. Look at what you made and honor that it's going to take a while for your mm-hmm. body to feel like you again. Yeah. And, it, and love your body for this miracle it made because it yeah. is a miracle. I just like, I also feel like it, it would be awesome just to have women. I know this might sound a little crazy, but to just be like naked in a room together and just like run around yes. and be like, look at <laughs> Yes. Yes. Can we all just celebrate like the sacredness of just being a woman, whether you've had a baby or not, because it's just yeah. so many times we're just constantly, constantly told how to be and constantly, you know, nitpicked at and just, you know, that's just what I think. And I feel like there's something I've been also kind of reading a little bit more about women and the ancient goddess or different things in the fertility circles and all that. And it's like, man, there's like a sense of community there that we need back, you know? Yes. Yeah. So um, I remember a long time ago reading the book, The Red Tent. Did you ever mm-hmm. read The Red Tent? Oh. It's been on my shelf. I literally Beautiful. look at it all the time and I feel need <laughs> to finish it. Yes. <laughs> but it. Yeah. But I just love that it takes the time to honor a woman during her cycle. Yeah. To say, let's all gather together as women and nourish our bodies and honor what we're going through. Yeah. And just take this time for ourselves to just be together during this time. Mm-hmm. Just honoring the body and honoring its cycles. I just, I think our culture shifted so 
far from honoring the ebbs and flows of our cycles. It's true. No, I 100% believe that. My biggest reframing has been get away from the physical and acknowledge the emotional and the spiritual and the energetics of what's yeah, that's happening. That's what we are, space. right? That's yeah. what we are. We're emotional yeah. and we're spiritual beings for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Julie, how can people find you? Because I know now that they're going to be just like, um, yes, please. <laughs> need to go for physical therapy with her. Yes. So how can we find you? Where can you be reached? Yes. So they can find me. I'm ladybitspt.com. My little website is there, ladybitspt.com. That website will give you access to both emailing me. You can schedule appointments with me that way. Um, I do create this, like, it's not super fantastic, but I have a resource for mostly my patients and it's on YouTube. It's Lady Bits Physical Therapy on YouTube. And, and there's not a ton on there, but there's basic things like urge suppression, how to avoid peeing your pants when you get a really strong urge, right? Like mm-hmm. basic advice that so many women need that you shouldn't have to pay for. Right? Right. So right. I, I have like some little educational videos of me just kind of doing some general talks about like urgency and leakage and, and anatomy tours that your pelvic floor. So it's a really good kind of like nice fuzzy way of just kind of like getting a little information without committing to like showing up or spending money. So it's, it's a good little resource. It's, it's, you know, I'm not tech savvy, so it was very cheaply recorded with a cell phone, but, um, you know, there's no commercials on it or anything. It's, it's, it's just like stuff. a pit stop. Yeah. yeah. So they can yeah. email me, Julie at ladybitspt.com. They can use the ladybitspt.com website and get a hold of me that way. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you for what you do in this world and for the way that you're a healer. Like I would say, you know, my mother was a physical therapist and so she was always very in tuned when she worked on me with pain and could feel the pain. Mm. And so I feel like people who go into this and especially this area, there is a sense of energy that you feel, I would imagine, yes. and that you're able to just be in tuned to the other person. And so it feels like you're a healer to me. So oh, thank you. <laughs> thank I, you I, for being in this world. Yeah. I can honestly say that's the biggest thing I've gotten from the infertility journey is my real purpose on this earth. Mm. And it is, I feel like it is to heal and to comfort and um, specifically women. And and I I like to say postpartum, but postpartum is forever. Once you've had a baby, you've always had a baby. Yeah. So you're postpartum forever. And not to say that I don't work on women who haven't had babies. I do. There's plenty of those. Yeah. Uh, There's their own set of issues, but um, I really believe that women's bodies need a little bit of love after birth. And it's yeah. never too late. You know, it's it doesn't have to be go now. never too late. Exactly. You're 65, go now. <laughs> it can be 10, 20 years later and we can still close rib cages. We can still shift pelvic bones back. Yes. We, can, we can restore and align things. It's the beauty with the body. The body's always looking for homeostasis. It always wants to go back to where it was. Sometimes yes. it just needs a little help. Okay, well, thanks so much. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Reframing Our Stories podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and consider becoming part of the community by becoming a patron. You can do that by going to patreon.com backslash reframing our stories. There you can see the options that fit and speak to you personally. We hope that these stories are helping you reframe the stories.